It's time to hear from God's word. So I'm reading from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. And you can find that on page 789 of your church Bibles. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. Our loving Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for having preserved it for us throughout the generations so that today we here in Stanhope can hear and know the way of salvation and how to live as your people. And we pray for Eddie as he brings your word to us, as he teaches it. We pray, Lord, that through him your spirit will work to change us to be more like Christ. May his words be your words. Amen. Romans chapter 12. This is the word of God. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. It's a joy to be here to preach God's word and do an encouragement uh, from the past and the Wardens and PC, thank you for giving me an opportunity to preach. As we gather together, let's quieten our hearts and ask God to speak to us through His Word this morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God, we give thanks to you for being such a faithful God to us throughout this week. And Father, as we gather together as a family, we pray that, Lord, your Word will encourage us Review us and teach us what it means, Lord, to be your children. What it means to serve each other for your name's sake and for your glory. We ask and pray. Amen. Now, friends, imagine that you're the best player with the Paramata Eels. And you say to your coach that you do not need the rest of the players to go into the field because... 
You can win the game all by yourself. Now, what will your coach say to you? Do you believe that you can win the game all by yourself? Yes, I can. I believe that most of us agree that if we want to win a game, we need to work as a team. So our topic this morning is using our gifts for the good of all. Now before we look at Romans chapter 12, 1 to 8, we need to recap Romans chapter 1 to 11. In these 11 chapters, we are reminded by the Apostle Paul that it was by the grace and mercy of God that we are saved and not by our own work. We thank the Lord for His saving grace. But what are we going to do about it? It's not good enough for us to use or to understand the doctrine of God or to be able to know the book of Romans intellectually. But friends, we must put what we have learned from God's Word into action. Here we are told in Romans chapter 12, 1-2, that in the light of God's mercy, we are called to surrender our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Secondly, in the light of God's mercy, we are called to renew our minds and be transformed so that we look at all things from God's perspective. The verses which follow spell out the exercise of this renewed mind in greater detail. In verses 1 to 8, there are two things the apostles tell us about our thinking of ourselves. First, who we are. And then about the gifts God has given us. So let's begin with the word about our view of ourselves. So let's look at verse 3 together. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now the first word for is referring to verses 1 and 2. Now I was told by a church leader that he was grateful to a lady who was doing flower arrangement for the church for many, many years. Friends, but the sad thing was, she would never, never let anyone to take over her ministry. It was because she believed that she was the best and also she was a well-known florist in town. Nobody can touch the altar because it belongs to her. So the church decided to let one of the church members work alongside her instead of encouraging and helping the church member, she stopped going to church. Now can you imagine, friends, can you imagine the Apostle Paul throwing his CV before the Christians at Rome and telling them that he deserved to be an apostle because he was a brilliant person. He had a string of degrees. 
I'm better than Peter. I'm better than Barnabas. I'm the best in town. Instead, Paul told the believers, for by the grace given to me, in verse 3, it was not by his good deeds or good results or good CV that he became an apostle of Jesus Christ. Friends, it was all by the grace of God. Here Paul based his authority on the grace of Christ given to him. Romans 1.5 reads, Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring all the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. Paul's teaching here is universal. His teaching is not addressed to only the church leaders, not to some small group, but rather to everyone among us. And this principle applies to every believer in this hall. Paul's words assume that every Christian has given at least one, one spiritual gift, which is to be exercised for the edification of the church, the body of Christ. And here Paul calls for sound, think, uh, sound thinking and judgment. He's already told us that we must be we must not be conformed to this age. We must instead be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Now, before we became Christ's disciples, our minds, friends, our minds were corrupted by sin. But now, as followers of Jesus Christ, our minds are renewed by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, our thinking must be changed, transformed from old, ungodly ways of thinking into new, godly ways of thinking. Philippians 2 says that we must have the mind of Christ. In this single verse, Paul uses the word to think four times. Paul warns of the danger of overthinking, thinking too highly of ourselves. We are to avoid overthinking ourselves and instead have sound mind or judgment, a sober or sound mind. It means to make a sound evaluation of our gifts, our strengths, our weaknesses. And here what Paul was saying is this, know yourself, know your strength, and your weaknesses. Know what you can do and what you can't do. C.S. Lewis said, True humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. We can spend a lot of time thinking less of ourselves, but we only end up thinking a lot about ourselves. See, friends, the problem of pride does not boil down to whether we think high thoughts or low thoughts about ourselves, but that we think lots of thoughts about ourselves. Honestly, this morning I woke up, I was thinking about myself. Oh, what kind of sermon am I going to preach? Would it be a good sermon? Would it be a bad sermon? I think a lot about myself. 
but at the end of the day, you know that this is God's word. In Paul's time, humility was for inferiors, slaves, and blue-collar job workers. And friends, we must bear in mind that social life in ancient Rome was fiercely competitive and consumed with the pursuit of honor and status. Rising yourself above the others was the aim of the game. In Aussie language, cutting down tall poppies. And here yet, Paul expected the believers to do the opposite. To think of themselves with self-modesty instead of self-promotion. Today, you can find two types of people in this world and sadly, in, also in churches. The first one are those who think so highly of themselves. They will tell you how good they are, how much they have done, how much they have achieved or accomplished. They will not admit their weaknesses. So they constantly boast about their accomplishments, seeking to win approval by drawing attention to themselves. The second one are those who, who self-consciously talk about themselves as if they are nobodies, as if they were worms. When, they give, when you give them a compliment for a job well done, they will say to you, I don't think I've done a good job, Pastor. In their heart of hearts, they wanted you to give them more compliments. Tell me more, tell me more. But if you know who you are, friends, you don't have to brag. You don't have to beg. You can just be yourself. We must learn to be honest with others about ourselves. It's nothing wrong to say I'm not gifted in this area. It's okay to receive compliments from other people when they see that the Lord has blessed you with certain gifts or gifts. And we must always remember that whatever gift or gifts that we receive from the Lord, thus there is nothing for us to boast about or to put down ourselves by saying that I'm not as good as you. Therefore, we should not overestimate ourselves or underestimate ourselves. It's because, friend, God has given each believer a standard of faith by which to measure himself, and that standard is Jesus Christ. When a person sees that Christ is a standard of measurement, he will not think of himself more highly than he ought, but rather think of himself with sober judgment, with sound judgment. Humility can set you free because when you think about yourself less, you are free to think about Christ more. Humility puts us on the path of grace. Pride puts us on the path of opposition. James 4 tells us, God opposes, resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We are, we are to have balanced, sensible, realistic view of ourselves. In other words, we are to see ourselves as God sees us. Not in comparing or comparison to others. Dear friends, God has created you as a unique person. You are unique 
in the eyes of God. You are one of the kind in the world. And there is no carbon copy of you. There is no carbon copy of Eddie Wee. Anybody look like me? Let's look at verses 4 to 5. In these verses, he used the analogy of the church as the body of Christ to show that true humanity will recognize and function within this important concept. We are one body in Christ. We have various members, each with an important function. Each human body is put together with many parts. We have vital organs, none of them visible, that keep us alive. We have various limbs that perform different, yet crucial functions as, uh, such as running and carrying. We have sensory organs that allow us to perceive the world in different ways. And when everything is working in harmony, life is good. But when one part is injured, the whole body suffers. Now, if you don't believe me, just pinch yourself now. How do you feel? Is, is this just your arm feeling the pain? Or your whole body? And therefore, friends, we are not independent of one another, but rather interdependent. You need me, I need you in order to grow in Christ and fulfill God's purpose on earth. So what is true about the body is true about the body of Christ. And there is no such thing as an unimportant or worthless believer, even though some functions are more public than others. And here Paul's illustration underscores two characteristics of the body of Christ. is unity and diversity. Let's look at the first one, unity. Unity, we derive, we derive our life from same source. Now, none of us can exist outside the body. And we have one hate, our Lord Jesus Christ, who controls and coordinates each member for the good of the whole. We are all united in Christ Jesus. The second one is diversity. God loves variety. We are, not, we are not all alike in the body of Christ. We, are di- we have different functions, different gifts, different backgrounds and different preferences. And friends, God doesn't cut us all from the same cloth or piece of cloth. We are not clones. We must remember that diversity is not uniformity. God's glory is revealed in the diversity of people. This means that as we measure ourselves by Christ's standard, we will be ourselves. In verse 3, we need one another. As we have heard this phrase many times, no man is an island, no man stands alone. We need one another. When one person is injured or grieving, the whole body feels the pain. When one part cannot keep up, the others compensate. When disease attacks, the whole body reacts. Each of us belongs to 
and needs the others. We are interdependent of each other. While your relationship to Christ is personal, God never, never intends it to be private. In God's family, you are connected to every other believer. And friends, we must rely on other members of the body just as they must rely on us. Now, I have heard newcomers were encouraged by the warm reception they received from here at Stanhope. And also some members are caring for those who are in need. And friends, what an encouragement to see that each person is doing their part in the body of Christ. And I am proud of Stanhope. Whenever I see my friends outside the church, I say, Stanhope, I love Stanhope. While we have been individually chosen, called and justified, we have been joined to a body, the body of Christ. We must therefore think and act as a members of this body. And spiritual gifts are one of the means by which the body of Christ is sustained and through which the life our Lord Jesus is manifested. Let's look at verses 6 to 8. Paul again emphasizes that whatever gifts we have are due to God's grace. Look at verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. According to the grace given to us. And therefore, there is no room for pride. God has graciously given gifts to each of us that we are to use these to serve others. And therefore, friends, we should not despise others' gifts. And we should not neglect using our own gifts. And here Paul lists seven spiritual gifts by way of example. And none of these lists are comprehensive. It's important to remember that almost all the spiritual gifts have corresponding commandments of all believers. And therefore, we can't opt out of doing certain things because we claim that is not our gift. And here we are, first one, there is a gift of prophecy. And there is the ability to proclaim God's word in a convicting way. Here the preacher must communicate God's word or God's message to strengthen, encourage and comfort his people. Now what does he mean according to the standard of faith in verse 6? Here Paul, friends, was saying that the prophet must not prophesy in a way that contradicts Christian doctrine. That's the gift of service. Service is a general term that means to wait on tables. Some people, some people have the gifts of serving other people with great joy. You know people like that. You are thinking of some right now who have the gift of help. You just love to have them around because they are so eager to serve and they do it so willingly and cheerfully that 
everybody is helped and blessed by it. And friends, what a tremendous gift that is. The church runs by those who have this gift. But it does not stop you and I serving each other. And therefore, we can't say that, I do not have the gift of service, and therefore I do not have to put back the chair after the service or pick up the rubbish on the floor. We are here to serve the body of Christ. We must all serve. Also, as the Lord says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give His life a ransom for many. There's a gift of teaching. The ability to communicate, reveal truth with knowledge, ease and clarity. They help others learn correct facts, discover principles, see the practical relevance and apply them. And this gift, my friends, must be exercised in many venues on Sunday morning, in the live group, or one-on-one discussion, not just inside the church, but outside the church. But here it does not mean that we leave all the teaching to those who are gifted in teaching God's Word. All of us are responsible to teach one another and also to teach our children the truth of Scripture. And there's a gift of exhortation or encouragement. The Greek for encouragement is parakeleo, which means to call, come alongside. And friends, here's the person who come alongside to comfort you when you're going through difficult time, hard time, hardship. This is a person who will listen to you and encourage you not to give up, but to press on. You and I do not wait for someone who's gifted to encourage someone who's downhearted. If you're there, go and comfort him or her after church service. Pray for him and pray with him. And there's a gift of giving where all believers are instructed to be generous. And these people look for opportunities to give offering what they have beyond normal measure. And there's the gift of leadership. See, the word leadership means to stand in front of a group. This gift enables a person to take charge of a group or meeting and lead the people or group in a positive, productive direction. And people with this gift should do their work eagerly, gladly, with energy and with few commitment. Finally, Paul mentions showing mercy. This gift enables the believer to reach out to others who are hurting with the love of Christ, to know what to say and how to say it and when to remain silent. Now someone may ask, but... I do not know what gift or gifts God has given to me. First, friends, to discover your gifts. Get involved in serving in a number of different ministries. Start serving if God needs to redirect you. He will. So as you serve, you discover that you enjoy and are effective doing some things 
more than others. God uses our desires to direct us. And here it doesn't mean that you will find your area of gift easy to do. For example, preparing Bible study is hard. Preparing a talk is difficult. But after you have ministered to the people around you with God's Word, you'll find the joy of serving God's people in this area. Secondly, get involved in life group ministry. It's where you find that you can use God's gift to serve the people in your life group and also the people around you will let you know about your gift. And they will encourage you to use it for God's glory. Now, there are two divisions, speaking and serving. Now, do you realize that there are two divisions of gifts in Romans chapter 12, 3 to 8? The first four gifts listed have to do with speaking. And there are three related to serving. There are two basic functions then for every believer in the body of Christ. Either you speak or you serve. And everybody is to be involved. In closing, you and I must keep in mind that whatever gift or gifts you have received is by the grace of God. It's not for you to boast about your gift. God graciously used whatever gifts we have. Friends, we don't deserve them. It's a great privilege to serve the Lord who has saved us. It's a privilege to serve one another. It's a privilege to serve those people in this church. It's not a chore, but a privilege. And you need the gifts of others. So receive their ministry and affirm them from doing it. Serve the Lord and His church with meekness, with gladness of joy. Don't envy, don't envy the gifts of others. God make you who you are and what He gave you to, He gave you to do is so important for the functioning of the body. And friends, we should cooperate, not compete with one another. If each one of us are using our gift to serve the body of Christ, you can be sure that we will have a healthy church. Now the question we need to ask ourselves this morning is, are we using our gifts for the good of all? Are we using our gifts for the good of all? If you say yes, then start serving the body of Christ. Do not wait until we have our new buildings. Friends, it is an act of spiritual worship by offering our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. So let us use the gift that God has bestowed upon us for the sake of for His namesake and for His glory.
and for God's people. So let us, in closing, let's read this together. 1 Peter 4, 7. Let us stand and let's read together. Shall we? And let's read together slowly. Let's begin. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, power, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you.